Would you open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6? We'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 5. Galatians chapter 6. We'll be reading God's word this morning for our hearts. From verse 1 to verse 5. As we are turning to this last chapter uh, of the book of Galatians, we're looking at a place or at a, at, a, at a place in the book that is filled with applications in light of what it means to be justified by faith. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for us. Would you join me in prayer, asking God to bless the preaching of his word and our hearing this morning. Let's pray. Gracious Father, you have given us your word so that our souls may be nourished through what you speak. Father, you have given us Christ, the bread that comes from heaven, and his words and his commands are precious for us. Father, we pray that this word that we have read this morning would nourish our hearts in a way that we would be built up and drawn to Christ. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. For the last uh, few weeks, uh, last two Sundays in particular, we have considered uh, the theme of living by the Spirit a theme that has developed in chapter 5 of Galatians. And uh, we have considered what it means to walk by the Spirit, to experience the freedom that Christ has purchased for us, uh, and we experience that freedom as we walk by the Spirit. It would be easy to assume, as we move to this last chapter of the book, chapter 6, that Paul moves on to other topics, other applications that are somehow separate from uh, the life in the spirit that we have considered in the previous chapter. But that would be a mistake. The applications of chapter 6 that we are looking at this morning are an unfolding of various facets of what it means to live by the spirit. Here are some reasons why uh, there's a connection between what's going on in chapter 6 in our text and what went on in chapter 5. Gentleness, for example, that's being brought in verse 1, uh, is actually the fruit of the Spirit in chapter 5. The law of Christ that is mentioned in our text, we'll see that it refers to love. And love is the first fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Uh, the command in verse 1 addresses those who are spiritual, which is a flowing out of what was in, verse, in chapter 5 of walking by the Spirit. 
So when we look at the applications that this text that we've just read, when we look at the applications that are being brought here, they are an outflow of living by the Spirit. But as we look at these applications, there is a common thread with all of them. They refer to how we are to live by the Spirit in community. These applications in our text all have to do with our life together in community. So that as we live by the Spirit, as we walk by the Spirit, as we keep in step with the Spirit, the practical manifestations of it happen in community. So the day, the title of the sermon, the message this morning is Spiritual Life in Community. Living by the Spirit happens in community. Uh, the main point of the message this morning is simply this. We keep in step with the Spirit by being involved in one another's lives. We keep in step with the Spirit by being involved in one another's lives. And this passage shows us three ways three applications, three facets, how we are to live in step with the Spirit by being involved in each other's lives. Uh, in first way is by helping each other fight off sin. By helping each other fight off sin. The second way we will see it is by carrying each other's burdens. By carrying each other's burdens. And the third way we will see it is by fighting off prideful comparisons by fighting off prideful comparisons. Let's look at each of these three ways, how we are called by the Spirit of God to live in step with the Spirit of God as we are involved in one another's lives. Number one, keep in step with the Spirit by, being, by helping each other fight off sin. Look at verse one. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Uh, there is a first implication about the Christian life, a first assumption that needs to be stated here, and that is the Christian life does not mean that we will not sin any longer. There is an assumption here that the reality of our Christian lives, though we should aim not to sin, is that the reality is that we may be caught, trapped in transgression. This should not somehow mean that, oh my goodness, I must not be a Christian. The reality is that even Christians sin. We should not want to, we should not do it, and yet we do. But when we do, what we do with it, when we do, is critical. When we do, it's often 
tempting for us to begin to hide it, to begin to excuse it, or to begin to ignore it. And God calls brothers and sisters to help one another to see it and to turn away from it when it happens. Notice the if statement. If anyone is caught in a transgression. The question is, what should you do? And the answer is, if you are spiritual, you should not ignore it, but you should seek to help a brother or sister to turn away from it. Now, there are times when a person who is caught in transgression and is being helped by other brothers and sisters to turn away from it, when this person will refuse the help, will refuse to to turn away from sin, will continue to want to stay in the path of sin. And in such cases, Scripture instructs us to begin the process of public church discipline, a process laid for us in Matthew 18. There's also a situation when someone's sin may be so outrageous and bring such public disgrace to the name of Christ that it may warrant immediate excommunication, as is the case in 1 Corinthians 5, where the Apostle Paul is calling the church to remove uh, the member who has committed a very public and scandalous sin. Now, our text today does not cancel out the process of public church discipline. Rather, it speaks to what we should do before a situation gets to the place of becoming a public discipline. This is the informal and private discipline that we should engage in with one another on a regular basis. And the reality is the more we do the informal and private discipline, the more we can prevent sin patterns to develop so deeply that it would trigger public discipline. But notice what is the qualifier to be doing this work? What is required to be doing this work well? The Apostle Paul says, you who are spiritual. Now, this doesn't refer only to pastors. Actually, every Christian should fit in this category. You who are spiritual. According to what we have seen in chapter 5 of Galatians, if we have the Spirit of God in us, we should walk by the Spirit, we should be led by the Spirit, we should keep in step with the Spirit. That means we should be spiritual. That means all of us should be in this category of being spiritual because that's what it means to be a Christian. There should be no Christian who is unspiritual. Paul enlists all those who are spiritual, and that means all Christians who walk by the Spirit, to come alongside and help one another fight off sin in our lives. 
of being spiritual, according to the Bible, is not to ignore people when they sin, but to bring it up and to seek to restore them. Here's a question I wonder. Are you using your spirituality to be concerned for others, to help them turn away from sin? Are you using your spirituality to be so concerned over others to help them fight off sin in their lives? This also means that we should use our spirituality to allow others to speak into our lives when they do their role well to help us and encourage us to fight off sin. So that when someone else brings up a sin pattern in our lives, we should not be defensive, but rather welcome their correction, welcome their concern and love for us. Now, the process of helping others fight sin has two cautions, has two instructions for us. The first caution, Paul makes clear that the restoration and the, the helping of fighting off sin should be done in a spirit of gentleness. Did you see that? You who are spiritual should help each other in a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And it's especially important to bear it and to have it when we are helping one another to fight off sin. Notice it's not merely an outward gentleness that we ought to have, but a spirit of gentleness. Uh, in our inward disposition, one must be set, one must embrace a tone, an approach of gentleness as we help one another in confronting sin. Now, this does not mean that we should be squishy in confronting sin. The Apostle Paul in this very letter has shown tones of firmness as he confronted the Galatians. But our hearts must be filled with a spirit of gentleness so that when we respond with firmness, it comes out of a heart that is controlled by a spirit of gentleness. This means that before we want to address others and the sin of others, we should ask ourselves, is my heart filled with a spirit of gentleness or am I seeking to correct others simply in my flesh? As a second caution that we see is that when we help one another in fighting sin, we should never lose sight of our own weaknesses. Now look at verse 1. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. When we engage in correcting others, it's easy to lose sight of ourselves. It's easy to focus only on what the other person is doing. It's, only, it's easy to focus on the sin of the other. So this caution is needed. When we help others fight off sin, we must do it while constantly keeping a vigilant eye on ourselves as well. So, keeping in step with the Spirit means 
helping each other fight off sin. Sometimes people claim and th say things like, quote, my sin is none of your business. Such ideas are quite foreign to this passage, to the Christian way of understanding our Christian life. Now, I get it. We're not supposed to be CIA agents or spies. That's not the Christian understanding of this passage. But to go to the other extreme of simply saying, my sin is none of your business, is going way too far in what terms of what Christianity and the Bible understands the Christian life to be. Friends, a spiritual work in a church is the work of helping one another with gentleness, fight off sin. I wonder, are you such a spiritual Christian that you are ready and willing to help one another fight off sin? If you are answering this question and thinking, oh, pastor, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm ready for that. My question to you this morning is, why not? What's holding you to live such a spiritual life that you are willing and ready to do what Scripture calls all of us to do? What's your excuse? Whatever it is, ask the Lord to help you grow, to get to the place of, of your spiritual life and spiritual walk that you feel confident in the Spirit, not in your own wisdom or strength, but in the Spirit, by God's help, to help one another fight off sin. Keeping in step with the Spirit means helping each other fight off sin. This is how we live uh, by the Spirit in community. A second way we live by the Spirit in community is that we keep in step with the Spirit by carrying each other's burdens. Look at verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Friends, a Christian life is not an isolated experience. It's a community life in which we become aware of each other's burdens and carry them and seek to help each other in the burdens that we carry. Now, what are some of the burdens that we can carry, that we can see around us? It could be the burden of the temptations of sin, as we have addressed in the first point. It could be the burdens of difficulties and life challenges, things like illness, broken relationships, job challenges. It could be the burdens of sorrows, griefs, anxieties, suffering. It could be the burdens of ourselves, our own behavior and words. 
can become a burden for others when we act in selfish, sinful ways. Now, regardless of which types of burdens we see around us, uh, the command that the Apostle Paul gives is clear. Bear one another's burdens. Notice, it doesn't say, keep your burdens away from each other. It says, bear them. In our self-sufficient society, it's sometimes perceived as inappropriate to share our burdens with others. We want to be perceived as able to handle our loads by ourselves. Sometimes we hear this phrase and we may even say it. I don't want to be a burden to you. I don't want to be a burden to you. I wonder how many of us use that phrase pretty regularly. Friends, a Christian community that is indwelled by the Spirit of God must be characterized by readiness to bear one another's burdens. Now, how do you carry one another's burdens? First, you must know them. You must know what burdens people are carrying. You can't carry other people's burdens if you don't know what they are. So one of the practical ways to help begin carry one another's burdens is to start getting together with people. To hear what is happening in their lives. Burden sharing happens best. Not in the quick hallway conversations that happen after the service. Learning about the burdens of one another happens best when we start getting together with one another outside of Sunday, outside of church services, outside of our public gatherings. Uh, Get together one-on-one or get together with your families or get together in smaller groups when you can simply have time to talk and open up. I understand that we live in a city that pushes us further and further away in terms of housing. I understand that we have uh, lives that get busier and busier. And it's hard for us to get together outside of Sunday. But we want to be a congregation that makes it very clear that the culture of our relationships as a church is not to limit our gatherings only to what we do on Sunday that we would figure out ways, informal ways, throughout the week where we get together, whether it's for coffee or for lunch or for just inviting one another in each other's homes, where we get a chance to just talk and catch up with one another. It's hard to bear one another's burdens if you don't know them. If you fail to talk, if you fail to connect. Second, you must have a sense of responsibility for one another. You can't carry one another's burdens if you don't adopt a mindset or a sense of responsibility for one another. This is why church membership in our congregation means more than attending service on Sundays. It means a commitment to take responsibility for one another. Members, as you look at the membership directory, consider that the, the people the Lord has put us together with in in a covenant of love 
is, first of all, meaning a sense of responsibility for one another, for those members. Uh, being a burden-bearing member, a burden-bearing Christian for other members of the congregation that the Lord has glued us together. Now, why should we care or carry each other's burdens? Why should we carry each other's burdens? Look at verse 2. We see the motivation. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is the motivation why we should bear one another's burdens. This is why we care about membership the way we do, because we actually see it as an act of loving one another. The true motivation why we should adopt the sense of responsibility for one another is because in doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. Now, what is the law of Christ? The passage that our brother Paul read for us at the beginning of the service, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give you, Jesus said, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. This is the law of Christ, the command to love one another. And earlier in chapter 5 of Galatians, we have seen how it actually, living by the Spirit, uh, is also to fulfill the love that we are supposed to have for one another and fulfill the Old Testament law of loving our neighbor as ourselves. Here, God is telling us that actually we're supposed to love one another not only as ourselves, we are supposed to love one another as Christ loved us. Way before Jesus came to earth to live the perfect sinless life and fulfill all of God's commandments, before he came to give this command, this new command to his disciples to love one another as he loved us, God gave us a prophecy in the Old Testament that describes the kind of love and the significance of the love of Christ for us. In the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 53, here's how the Lord would show his love for us. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. This is how Jesus loved us. By carrying the burdens of our griefs. By carrying the burdens of our sorrows by carrying the burdens of our iniquities. And he carried them by giving his life in the place of sinners who turn to Christ and be forgiven. Friends, because Jesus carried our burdens and our sorrows as a manifestation of his love for us, because he took on him our sins and the guilt that our rebellion deserves, we now have peace with God. We are now being restored to the God against whom we have rebelled. And the manifestation of that restoration 
is that now we begin to love one another as he loved us. And the manifestation of that love is that we begin bearing each other's burdens. Bearing each other's sorrows. Bearing each other's griefs. Even bearing each other's sins. Not in a substitutionary way but in a way of supporting one another, encouraging one another to forsake sin and pursue Christ. And we fulfill the law of Christ when we carry each other's burdens. Well, friends, in order to love one another well, we take on the mindset of responsibility for one another. We take on the initiative to be involved in each other's lives, we take on the initiative to listen well to each other. For some of you, this morning, one of the burdens you carry is the burden of privacy. You can't bear the thought of opening up to someone else to know about your burdens. You don't want to portray the image of weakness, or you may feel that you should not burden others with your burdens. But friends, the Christian community is a community of people who have been saved through the sacrifice of the Savior who carried our burdens so that we may be enabled through his love to bear and carry one another's burdens. John Stott gives a wonderful example of bear, bearing one another's burdens. And uh, the example he gives is the very Apostle Paul, who in this text is encouraging us to carry one another's burdens. But there's a time in his own life when he has been on the beneficiary side of having his burdens carried by others. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, the Apostle Paul says the following about his condition and situation. He says, For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within, or fighting on the outside, fear on the inside. But God who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And Stott concludes, God's comfort was not given to Paul through his private prayer and waiting upon the Lord, but through the companionship of a friend and through the good news which he brought. Friends, sometimes a single, simple act of reaching out to another believer and spending some time with them and engage in deeper conversation is a wonderful blessing of lifting up other people's burdens. When you begin to understand that the spiritual life is life in community and that such a life involves the responsibility to bear one another's burdens, you begin to be more open to see the burdens of others around you. Part of our connect groups 
the agenda of our connect groups is to create opportunities to connect regularly in informal settings in our homes, to share a meal together at the end of the day, and to share about our joys and challenges, updates in life, and share about one another and pray for one another. And I hope that those burden-sharing opportunities don't stop in our connect groups, that people take the initiative to say, let's, let's get together and just hear more about what you're going through. But bearing burdens of one another is not limited only to what we do in our church relationships. We bear one another's burdens with other Christians who are in other parts of the world as well, who are going through significant difficulties by seeking to assist them. Right now, we're coming alongside churches in Eastern Europe who are assisting the refugees of the Ukrainian crisis. When we give to others in need, it's one way to come alongside and bear each other's burdens. So even giving financially can be a way of sharing and and burden-bearing. We also can come alongside our families here in our city, in Austin. Uh, We can come alongside families in our city who are carrying the burdens of fostering. When we get ready and equipped to help others with respite or help out with certain activities that provide some sense of relief and help to those who are committed to fostering children, we are carrying in in burden-bearing with one another. Friends, we carry each other's burdens by being involved in each other's lives with our presence with conversations that open up each other's lives, with being vulnerable with our sin battles or with our difficult life circumstances and being willing to assist those in need. Friends, being a burden carrier is one of the ways we manifest our walking by the Spirit. It's one of the ways we keep in step with the Spirit when we are living out this command of bearing with one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. But thirdly, a third way we can keep in step with the Spirit is by fighting off prideful comparisons. Fighting off prideful comparisons. One of the dangers that happens when we are committed to live our life together in community. One of the temptations is that we begin comparing ourselves with one another. And we see this in verses 3 to 5. We see the prideful attitude of those who think on one side that they are more significant than they really are. Verse 3, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Our self-image can be disconnected from reality and we do so much damage when our self-image is disconnected from reality that keeps us away from getting involved in other people's lives did you realize or do you realize that it takes humility to involve yourself in the lives of others it takes humility to let others get involved with you it takes humility to let others get to know you Sometimes one of the reasons we struggle to let other people get to know us and our burdens is our own pride. We are afraid of what people will think of us 
if they hear that we are struggling with this particular battle or that we are carrying this particular burden. In some situations, it may be a sin trouble. In some situations, it may be a mental health challenge. In some situations, it may be a relational family crisis. Oh, friends, pride keeps us away from being involved with one another. But pride manifests in another way. It manifests in comparing ourselves with each other. And this is what's addressed in verse 4. Paul says in verse 4, Let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Now, there are several temptations when we compare one another, uh, when we compare uh, each other with, with one another. Uh, for some, comparing ourselves with one another breeds more pride, uh, especially when you feel like you're scoring better than others. Oh, I'm, I'm not like that person. I'm not struggling with that kind of sin. For others, it breeds hopelessness. I'll never be able to be like so-and-so. I'll never be able to, to live my Christian life like the, like the man at Park Hills. You just don't know them well enough. For others, it, bleeds, it breeds complacency. I'm fo focusing on others as a way of distracting myself from my own lack of spiritual growth. But in verse 5, we have a, a warning that's a little puzzling. For each will, will have to bear his own load. Now, you might wonder, wait, is, is verse 5 contradicting what we just heard in verse 2? Where we're called to bear each other's burdens? Well, first of all, the load in verse 5 is different than the burden in verse 2. But these verses are not contradicting each other because in verse 2, the issue is about carrying each other's burdens, referring to our journey in this life. In verse 5, the reference is to our load on the day of judgment. On the day of judgment, we will not be able to blame others for what we have failed to do. Nor will we be able to cred take credit for what others have done and use that on our behalf. This should lead us, this caution in verse 5, should lead us to take personal responsibility here and now so that we are ready for that day of judgment. Friends, being a community that encourages one another to carry each other's burdens does not mean that we disregard personal responsibility each of us will have before God on that day of judgment. Boasting in the work of others while not paying attention to our own selves can cultivate in us a, spirit, a sense of spiritual complacency. Children and youth, I want to address you for a second. The spiritual well-being of your mom and dad and of your home will not be sufficient for you on the day of judgment. Husbands and wives, let me address you. The spiritual well-being of your spouse will not be sufficient for you on the day of judgment. 
and members of this congregation, as you look around and may be encouraged by the spiritual well-being of other members in our church, I want to give you this caution. The spiritual well-being of other members in our church will not be sufficient for you on the day of judgment. You must take responsibility for your spiritual walk. It's easy to get excited about what God is doing in someone else's life, especially if you're so committed to carry each other's burdens and just focus on others. But are you paying attention to yourself and your walk with the Lord? Or are you so involved with others that you are using that as a distraction from dealing with your own walk with the Lord? Sometimes even serving the needs of others in the congregation can be used as a distraction not to deal with your own spiritual walk with the Lord. So I want to encourage us to be cautious of not being so focused on, on others in the way that actually makes you irresponsible for your own walk with the Lord. If you tend to compare yourself with others, I wonder which of these temptations do you tend to fall into? Is it spiritual self-boasting? Is it spiritual hopelessness? Or is it spiritual complacency? Keeping in step with the Spirit means fighting off prideful comparisons that either keep you aloof from others or keep you deeply discouraged and hopeless or keep you complacent that you fail to take personal responsibility for your walk. As we come to the close of this message, let me remind you where we started. Life and living by the Spirit Walking by the Spirit, living in step with the Spirit, happens in community. And we keep in step with the Spirit by being involved in each other's lives. And this happens by helping each other fight off sin, by carrying each other's burdens, and by fighting or fighting off prideful comparisons. But let me close off with an illustration that hits home. If you were to go downstairs in our building, in the area that used to be our youth room and some of our son, adult Sunday school classes, you will see it that it's torn apart. It's still torn apart from the freeze from last February. And in the process of restoration and putting things back, we have decided to make some changes. We have torn down some walls in order to have a larger space of getting together. In the process of tearing down some walls, uh, there was an important prerequisite. There was an important prerequisite to make sure that we understand what are the load-bearing walls and what are not load-bearing walls. Carl can understand that. If you have more questions, ask him details. Because if you were to tear down load-bearing walls, that structure would begin to crumble. Some walls in a building are just aesthetic walls. 
They are walls that simply help with functionality of the space. They are walls that may look good, but they're not bearing the load of the edifice. They may look pretty and may be useful in some ways, but they don't bear the load of the structure. In the spiritual edifice of the church, God calls all of us to be load-bearing members in the church. Not simply decorative members. So when you help fight off sin in people's lives, when you carry the burdens of others, when you are encouraging others in humility and you walk in humility as well, not pridefully comparing yourself with others. Oh, friends, you are a load-bearing member. Sometimes when people leave the congregation because God calls them to move to another city, or they finish their journey here on this earth. They give a, a testimony, a, a going away testimony. And, I, and there are emotional moments when that happens, for sure. But I wonder if, if we consider that whenever that time comes for, on any of us or all of us, it will come sooner or later for all of us. I wonder if you are considering and thinking through, will the church miss me simply because I was a nice decorative member? Or will they really miss me and my presence will be missed because I was a load-bearing member? I pray and wish that all of us as members of this congregation would be load-bearing members in this spiritual edifice called Park Hills Baptist Church. On that final day, on the day of judgment, the work of each of us will be made manifest. Until that day comes, we are called to help each other, carry each other's burdens, so that each of us will be load-bearing members. Let us turn away from being simply decorative members and take on the responsibility of being involved in each other's lives, carrying one another's burdens, because this is what the Lord Jesus has done for us as he carried our burdens and our sorrows. We keep in step with the Spirit by being involved in one another's lives, because living by the Spirit happens in community. Let's pray.